Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Brune, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, uh, it was an early morning game, I guess 11 a.m. Uh, on a Saturday for LSU Mississippi State, and the Tigers took care of business 41-14 on the road with the cowbells ringing in their heads. And it was um, one of the more complete games we've seen on the road, especially uh, from LSU under Brian Kelly. Uh, a lot of places we can go with this one, but I think generally this was a much-needed win and a much-needed performance uh, to me to show that they have you know, started to take the next step in uh, their evolution under Brian Kelly. I mean, yeah, in the most simple of terms, think of it this way. You wanted a four-quarter game, Matthew. It's kind of what you said was a key to this one, being on the road, 11 a.m., all that. They score 41 points. They spread it out 10 in the first quarter. 14 in the second, 10 in the third, seven in the fourth. So you've got a touchdown in every single quarter and you've added some field goals in there. And then you hold state to zero in the first seven at the very end, right before halftime of the second, nothing in the third and then nothing in the fourth until the final, basically garbage time when backups were in for both teams and they score on their final possession. It was exactly that. It was a four quarter complete football game where they showed up with energy. They showed up with focus And they executed a game plan offensively and defensively that was probably, when mixed together, one of the most complete game plans that they've had in the Kelly era in terms of just pure dominance. Yeah. um, If we go back to our preview podcast, I had 35 to 17. Um, It was just – this is what I was hoping to see from this team on both sides of the ball. It, it, everything went, I'm obviously this is what, you know, Brian Kelly and all the coaching staff wanted to see as well. But, you know, from a fan perspective and a media perspective, you're always hesitant with Mississippi state on the road. You know, we have, they, they had to prove to me that they were a different team on the road because against Florida state, they kind of looked like the same team as last year on the road where they struggled in a lot of games. They struggled in ad- adverse situations or Jaden Daniels didn't quite perform I think we start offensively. We start with Jay and Daniels because he was the head of the snake today and he set the tone for everybody else with how sharp he was, with how um, comfortable he was. And you could tell from the, from the beginning of the game that there was nothing Mississippi state could do that could rattle him. And I, I talked about it at length. Actually, he was my MVP pick before going in. Now you can debate if him or Malik was the MVP of this game, but um, he was my MVP pick. And I just, felt like this was the time for him and this offense to break out, for them to put together a four-quarter game and really show that we're better than we were last year. Yeah, I look at it and I say my MVPs from this game were Logan Diggs, and really they didn't get – the running backs Logan Diggs finished with he was 4.6 yards a carry. You'll take it, caught some footballs. So that's caught three for 30 yards. It's a very good game, but outshined by Malik uh, and certainly outshined by Jaden. My defense wasn't far off. I went Greg Penn. He had a great game. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, Weeks had a really good game, too. Maybe Weeks gets the nod because he did have the kind of stacked up the the stat sheet in a way. And then uh, Ramos was my pick for special teams. And he comes in and hits all his extra points and hits some field goals, including a deep field goal. I mean, he hit one from beyond 40. Um, So he remains perfect on the year, field goal and extra points. They were just sound in all phases today, but it starts there. This doesn't happen often. This is not a misprint. You are not mishearing me. Jaden Daniels went to Malik Mabers 13 times. Malik caught all 13 balls, 239 yards and two touchdowns. And he caught one at the one where 
you know, pushed out, stepped out, momentum, took him out, whatever it is, that would have been three touchdowns. Matty B, we said it all offseason. He scored three touchdowns all last year and went over 1,000 yards. That's, like, incredibly tough to only score three times and go over 1,000 yards. He's already there this year, three touchdowns. We'll pass that mark next week. Could have passed it today. Best single-game performance we've seen since Kayshawn Butte broke the SEC single-game receiving record against Ole Miss during uh, the 2020 season, the pandemic-shortened season. But certainly since then, uh, this was an absolute show put on by Malik Neighbors. And I can't tell you, I was thinking during the game, how many times we said in fall camp and the podcast on the site, there would be times in the in this season, third downs, all this, that the answer would just be go to Malik. It's evident now there's also games where Brian Kelly said at halftime, we liked a matchup and we weren't going to go away from it. And it was get Malik open, get Malik open. And then he runs deep, hits the double move. And Jaden just kept putting it right on the money. What was it? 13 for 13 at one point mm-hmm. for Jaden. Then he yeah. throws one out of bounds. Then he went about 10 of 10, 11 of 11. And then he had an incompletion. Finishes 30 of 34 for 361 and two. And here's the last thing I'll say on on that stat-wise. 88.2 completion percentage is, for more than 25 pass attempts, the best in LSU single-game history, nearly 90%. And this was not a, I'm dumping it off to everybody without much average depth to the throw. It was downfield, vertical balls, on the money, making it happen. Brilliant day by both those guys. Yeah, uh, I feel like I have a decent handle on Jaden Daniels' career, but I'm hesitant to say it was the best game of his career. Arizona State, he had some phenomenal games um, that really put him on the map, but it was definitely the best game of his LSU career. And now, you know, Alabama was good last year. Florida was good last year. He had good performances last year. This had to be the best game of his career. Like, I mean, if somebody can go point me a game at Arizona State where he was better in all aspects, then please go ahead, but... 30 of 34, 361 yards, two touchdowns. And then the running game was excellent. He showed why he's the best dual threat quarterback in the country. And for my money, he's the best quarterback in the SEC, which I said going into the season, I said LSU has the number one and number seven quarterback in the conference with him and Garrett Nussmeyer. Like they have two of the top half, you know, the top quarterbacks in the, in the conference. Nussmeyer, I could even put a little higher at this point. Um, but Daniels, to me, there's a reason he was first team all conference coming into the year. And this was the step that I think I, ne- I needed to see him take. I, I said in the preview podcast, he's been really he was really good through two games. He was good, like very much. This was the step towards great that this team needs from him. They this team needs him to be. I'm not gonna say in 30 of 34 every single game, but they, they need him to be this caliber of player and this aggressive every single game, especially once they get to Alabama or AM. Ole Miss on the road like those games if he can produce at this level or even close to this level this is a team that's going to be very 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 hard to beat because I I think offensive line wise we haven't talked about them I'm not worried about LSU's offensive line against anybody besides Alabama and you know even A&M kind of got pushed around by Miami but like Florida State and Alabama those are the two teams that have defenses that can really bother LSU Everybody else, I feel great about LSU's offense right now. Mute yourself. Should we talk about defense right now, or what do you? How do we shift yeah, here? Um, because, I, don't, I don't have anything else offensively too much. Well, we can um, just some quick notes on the offense because um, I'm not staring at the stat sheet all game. Like, uh, 
Uh, Brian Thomas, eight targets, seven catches, 60 yards. Very solid game. He continues to play very well. He's showing up every week, which is important. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, we should also, uh, obviously with Mason Taylor out, that was a big concern for both of us. coming, Maybe, And I yeah. think it actually showed. It was actually kind of, it was visible that he wasn't there. You had the, all the freshmen rotating in. And what was it, the first possession when they had to use a timeout when Mark Mac Markway? I felt so bad for Markway because it's one of those, he's a freshman, you're on the yeah. road, it's a tough, and you know now you're starting, and it was a game-time decision, it wasn't even like yeah. he knew all week he was starting, Yeah. and then you've got your coach yelling at you, like, the, not like your position coach, or Denbrock's in the booth, so not even the tight end, like the tight end assistant yelling at like BK's yeah. yelling at you. And you're like, the cameras are on me. This sucks. I felt very bad for him right there. Very much a freshman moment. Yeah. Um, but that, again, well. I think it actually showed because they, they didn't throw to tight ends. So what happened instead, you threw to Malik Neighbors 13 times, Brian Thomas seven times. And then the running backs actually got a lot of um, passes as well. Logan Diggs, three, three catches for 30 yards. So um, it, I think it did impact this game. Now, how much better would they have been with him? I, I don't know. Probably not much better, but still – it was, I think it was tangible to a degree. Yeah. It's like they split the, with Mason Taylor gone and them not throwing to tight ends at all. You said it just then they went heavy on receivers and went to the running backs a lot. I loved what Denbrock did going to the running backs and it was early and it was often, yeah. uh, but by games in Diggs had three targets. He caught all three of them. Caleb Jackson had two targets. He caught both of them. Josh Williams had a target. He caught it, took it for 13 yards and a first down. Uh, Mark Waite tight end only had one target. He caught it for five yards. Aaron Anderson, just one target. He caught it. Um, and then John Emery, two targets, one catch, and it went backwards on that play. Uh, but point being, the only other receiver, Matty B, was Chris Hilton. He had four targets, caught two of them for nine yards. There was no Lacey. Aaron Anderson, as I mentioned, wasn't really involved. There was a little Chris Hilton. There was no freshman. It was the Brian Thomas Malik show, and we'll dumb it to the running backs beyond that. And I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. I understand there there's gonna need to be a little bit more diversity, but if you have Mason Taylor back and you rotate between Taylor, neighbors, and Thomas, we're getting back to and and this is the Tom Brian Thomas, I think we need to say. I think he was, you know, he was good against Florida State. It might have been a little inflated because of that last touchdown, but he was good against Florida State. Um, he was okay against Grambling. This was kind of a, a big game for me to solidify himself as that number two. Um, in a lot of ways, because we we hadn't seen it, we hadn't seen it a lot. We were waiting for him to to get um, to put up this type of performance on the road in a game where they needed it. Um, so you have those two, and you have Mason Taylor. I think you rotate those three, and you're fine. Um, any other shout outs here? I mean, the freshman Zalen's heard uh, got some run at right tackle, got called for a hold that was pretty weak. Um, and then you know you could argue the right side of the line. I think on one of those stunts, they didn't pick it up very well between him and Emory Jones. Anybody else or anything else to note on the offense? Um, Will Campbell they didn't even have a flag yeah. last year. They were a little – Russ were a little whistle happy on him on a couple plays. Others were his fault, obviously. He got in one tugging match where he threw a helmet. Uh, but BK yanked him. Said yeah. <laughs> They caught him with the hot mic. He said, give me a new uh, you-know-what uh, explicative left tackle. Um, <laughs> Emory Jones went in at left tackle, though. Heard to right tackle, Frazier to right guard. So I guess we do know that if – Anything were ever to happen to Campbell or he's sick or, you know, he gets yeah. nicked up that Emory Jones would be your left tackle. Yeah. And Zalen's hurt slides in. So Zalen's hurt is the number is the next man up no matter what, no matter what. 
So no matter what. Um, uh, and they worked him in a good bit today. Um, oh, Caleb Jackson. Is what as, yeah, Caleb Jackson. Boy, the uh, put him on the hood on that one. And it was equally impressive. I thought Matty B. And if you haven't seen the play or didn't watch the game, we'll post it on the board. I'll make sure it's a thread of its own yeah. there so people can watch it. But how he got lateral on that play because he ran it off the left side or really kind of it felt like a dive play and there was nowhere to go. And he got mm-hmm. his hand there, bounced, bounced, then took it horizontal. And he had just broken off like a 20-something yard catch and run. They call it back yep. on a flag. Two plays later, they give it to him on a run. He has this play and, boy, he picks up speed. We talked all offseason about his verified track stuff. I mean, he's a 10-5. He's got some sub 10 fives. It, this is why we get talked to y'all about track stuff. It shows. Did you not see how quickly yeah. he can get going from about 10 yards? And he put him, that MSU player, on the hood. Very unfreshman-like. Very freshman-like to then just stand there and be like, yes, I got you. And the other MSU dude just cleans his clock let me, right after. Let me, let me get it. Let me pull it up on the okay. Here we go. Great right. bounce there, stiff arm. Here, here, okay, let me so rewind this what I'm talking. Right. If you're watching online, Maddie B's got the gif here. Yeah, the, video. The, the Twitter, Twitter link up uh, here. Here we go. Uh, so little move Markway in motion. Okay, boom, J- Jackson. Nice right there, stiff arm. Boom, put him on the hood, and then <laughs> it happens so quick. He's there is a freeze frame where Jackson's standing over him, but it's he's taken to the ground quickly. <laughs> Uh, by number 44 by Mississippi State, who said, I have no clue why this guy's just standing there still in bounds with the ball. But like he's just looking at him. Just there's the freeze frame. Just Caleb, yeah. a true freshman, just staring at you after he dropped the hit stick. And then I loved that. It was, uh, it reminded me of like an old Eric Gaines moment where, like, in the span of five seconds, you can have the highest of highs and lowest of lows, and you just chalk it up to, inexperience combined with elite talent and athleticism. Exactly. Uh, so that was probably my favorite play of the game for like three different reasons. Yes, that was amazing. All right. Defense. Um, this Let's was... give Matt House's flowers right now. Don't go any further. Yeah. Start to finish. He was, he had it dialed up. State was, had no answers. Let me give yeah. you the, this says it, Matty B, because I went back to it a number of times. Come out fast, you say. I want to see you stop them out of the gates. I don't want to have to rely on halftime adjustments, which they were great at a year ago by Madhouse. They weren't very yep. good at in week one in the loss of Florida State. I want to see you stop them out of the gates. First five possessions, punt, 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 punt. And four in a row were three and outs. It was flawless. Yeah. This Execution exactly- to scheme to the plan, everything worked. Yeah, this is exactly what we wanted. This is exactly what we thought was going to happen, honestly. Like, I I went into this game after watching Arizona push Mississippi around for the second half and said, LSU is going to dominate this game on the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what happened. Savion Jones got in on the act. Mikhail Wingo, I thought Mason Smith, even though he wasn't visible in the stat category, I thought he pushed people around a little bit. Jo- Jordan Jefferson, Harold Perkins, they couldn't block LSU. And this is where... We'll talk about a little bit more in the big picture scope of things. People don't understand Florida State not only was a bad matchup, but they had the talent across the board to match up with LSU, which not a lot of teams have. We've seen the SEC West, right? There's It's wide open like we've talked about. Mississippi State does not have the dudes to block LSU. And that was painfully obvious from the start. So 
How do you counter that? Well, Mike Leach countered it with the air raid, obviously, right? You spread it out. You try not to let the, you try not to make it into a we're bigger than you contest. And Kevin Barbet is a zone run scheme type of coordinator. And that just will never work against the dudes that LSU has up front. So because of that, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, Jaquavius Marks broke that one long run, which gave them their, their touchdown pretty much. Uh, but then Will Rogers was never in sync. The pass rush was there. The I thought the linebackers were very good. And like you said, Matt House, which I wrote about at length in the final line story, Matt House against one-dimensional offenses is ready and is always there to take away their fastball. They don't have a changeup. This is exactly what I expected to see from LSU, and they 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 delivered. I said 17 points for Mississippi State. They had four. They held them to 14, and one of them was a garbage time. It was it was just really really impressive. And in the second half, um, you give up that TD in garbage time, but turnover on downs, punt, punt. Your offense did their job by kind of grinding out the clock when you were already winning big, minimized the amount of possession State had. We talked about going in that Will Rogers in this new offense wasn't throwing it a ton. They did throw it a lot today, 28 times a lot. He's just he, not comfortable. A lot is 60 for him in the years past, yeah. 65. So 39, they allowed 11 completions, 39% completions. He didn't turn it over. He doesn't often ever, uh, but no passing touchdowns. And they've leaned so much onto Quavius Marks, came into the week leading the SEC in rushing. He goes eight for 75 yards. Shea, that's 9.4 yards a carry. That's not great defense. Well, 52 of it came on one play. I'm not one that says that's you take that out completely. You gave up a 52-yard run. You don't want to do that. Beyond that, he only got seven touches, but that's 20 yards. I mean, that's nothing that you're, is that's going brilliant. to kill you in the end. He didn't score a touchdown at all, which was uh, something that does not happen very often. And then no receiver beyond Zay Thomas out of New Orleans went over 50 yards in the game. It execution again, coaching, everything was there. Someone asked on the board, did Denver Harris play? He started and he was in the whole game. They just never tested him because he did his job. And that's what you want to see. This defense looked so sound. And I'll bring up this point, and it may sound ridiculous, maybe not, maybe too quick to say it. They got to start Greg Penn and Weeks every game. Spates mm. has 40 something career starts. He's an all pack 12 guy, he's a transfer, but he wasn't out there today and they looked excellent. Now, maybe state's not that good, maybe that's the issue. Um, and maybe we see them get exposed a little bit more if they're playing a passing team that can really throw it or whatever it might be. But Maddie B, I'll say this Whit Weeks is who we thought he is as a true freshman. I'm glad they gave him that starting nod. Next to Greg Penn, he leaves the team in tackles. I thought they were both great. That's my. It not only allows you to play Harold Perkins on the edge, but it brought you productivity. Now it's great that you have Spades rotate him in, I guess, but you cannot have Whit Weeks and Greg Penn on the bench. That's it. That is. If you would have told me that a few weeks ago, I would have called you crazy. But now it's it's very interesting to watch. But I, I think more than anything else, you have those three now. And that's the big thing is you can rotate those three around. Um, I don't know who should start or who should get the most reps. I, I love both of those guys. But um, those three allow Harold Perkins to blow up plays. And what I really liked about how they used Harold today, not only obviously used him off the edge and they you know, put him on both sides of the, on, of the edge, uh, depending on the situation, 
But when they did play him out in the slot, um, you know, I'm not going to say the nickel, but that outside linebacker spot where he kind of flanks out a little bit and is basically manned up on, on a receiver, it feels like he takes away that entire side of the field. Like, you're not throwing those bubble screens. You're not throwing those short routes, the hitches. Like, if he is there, the play is not going towards him. I think that's one of the more underrated parts of him being in that spot to where if he's not blitzing, if he can take away an entire side of the field, there's an incredible amount of value there. Um, I do think, you know, Mississippi State offensively, I'm, I'm just really not impressed with them. I don't think this is this fits the personnel they have which we talked about before. This doesn't make sense. I don't think they're a good team. And I've said before, I think they're the worst team in the SEC West. But to manhandle a team like that and to dominate that way was not something that last year's team was doing. Last year's team was not doing what we just saw this team do, at least not on the road. And uh, also to House and the the defensive side, kudos. Uh, No sacks in the first two games. He got four sacks in this one. Uh, Harold Perkins got his first sack of the year, as you just noted. He was disruptive the entire time uh on whatever side he was on he had he was in the backfield he had some tackles for loss obviously i mentioned the sack he had some solo stops uh makai wingo had a great sack savion jones got on the board of the sack and then major burns had a brilliant play where he got off the running back and dove back onto rogers to make the sack just what you wanted to see from that group getting into the backfield seven tackles for loss it um yeah. This was what we needed to see from the LSU defense, no matter the opponent, to feel a little bit better about being forward. And certainly it's got to give them some confidence. Yeah, and I was never I was never worried about the defensive. I know some people were worried about the defensive line. And, you know, maybe Mason Smith isn't as dynamic as we thought he'd be. Sure. Still, you have Mikhail Wingo, who is all SEC first team, in my opinion. Savion Jones, I think, is a very good player. Harold Perkins, Jordan, Jordan Jefferson, like, this defensive line is really good. They just had to figure out the rest. And if you're winning up front like that, it makes life a lot easier on your secondary when you're not going against Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. Like when you're not going against those guys, I think this, this defense is in a great spot to honestly, I look at the rest of the SEC and we can maybe transition to the re- like big picture wise. I, I feel great about this defense against pretty much everybody in the SEC right now. Like I don't think we, and the SEC you could argue, you know, is down or whatever, but that doesn't matter. You go win the SEC West again, and obviously I'm thinking way too far ahead, but you go put yourself in position to win the SEC West, and nobody will remember how down of a year it is for quarterbacks in the SEC. Nobody will remember that, you know, Jackson Dart and uh, Peyton Thorne and um, uh, Jalen Milrow are are your quarterbacks you're going against. Like It doesn't matter. So I, I I left this game feeling really good about the defense, and I told myself, I think, a few days after that Florida State game, they're not going to play an offense like that the rest of the year. And it was just kind of unfortunate that it worked out that way in the first game of the year. So now I, I move forward and I just think this team's really, really good. Let's um let's give a shout out real quick to uh as we do each time after the game when we do our uh, instant reaction podcast, my perfect franchise and our good friend Andy Ludicky uh, over there. Uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net is uh, the website you can find them on. And this is what it's all about. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Are you just looking for a side hustle while you work your current job? My perfect franchise is there for you. Andy's going to be on the other end of the line any day, seven days a week. If you want to call and reach out, his number is 404-973-9901. What he does is he's a franchise owner. Um, He's a franchisee. He's got 
decades of experiences uh, working with people and bringing them along uh, as they get into the world of franchising. And uh, whether it's just diversifying, building wealth, you want to leave something to pass on to, to your kids or your family, uh, Andy can help you through it. He's a franchise consultant, like I said, and an owner. Uh, and he can help you fit, uh, find that fit. Skill set, financial requirements, time to commit. He's got answers to everything uh, and any sort of kind of avenue you want to take. As always, as you hear each time in the postgame uh, breakdown here on the podcast, Andy's 100% free to call him. Just give him a call. Talk to him about what he does, maybe what you're interested in, maybe what you've heard from other friends who've gotten into franchises uh, and become franchisees. Uh, franchisees, it's a tough one to say. Of, uh, of different businesses, maybe their experience, how you might could do the same. Andy can help you out. So either email him, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net or give him a call, 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901. I do want to say real quick before we talk long-term, um, Greg Brooks didn't travel in this game. Yes. And I had heard before the game when he didn't travel that it was not because he was in trouble. It wasn't because he was injured. Um, and then Brian Kelly came out after the game and said it was a medical emergency um, and that he's in Baton Rouge. Um, and after the game, he they put out video. LSU football did. If you want to go to their Twitter account or their social media accounts, it'll be everywhere. And uh, you can see, but he gives a speech where uh, he said the game ball was for Greg Brooks and they give it to him when they got back home. So, uh, thoughts and prayers with Greg Brooks, the Brooks family, as uh, as he battles things there, and obviously a private matter. But as we uh, get updates from the coaching staff and from Kelly, uh, we will path, pass those along. But uh, BK did not want to go into any detail, Maddie B. Obviously, he just said, "Look, it was a medical emergency. Keep him in your thoughts and prayers." So that's where we're at there. Um, beyond him being LSU's best DB, great kid, uh, and hopefully he can get back to playing football uh, here in his final year at LSU. Yeah. Uh, as we as we look forward to that, Maddie B, you talked about this kind of coming on to the podcast and you just kind of briefly touched on it. The West, how the West was won uh, and where it got us, the old REM line uh, mm -hmm. a year ago. It was because it was wide open. We're three weeks in. It feels kind of wide open again. Like I'm just. I don't want to draw any massive conclusions. I see the look on Maddie B's face. I'm just curious. He's checked the Bama South Florida score just now. No, I just checked the South Carolina Georgia score. Go ahead. 14 to 3 South Carolina at halftime. 14 to 3 <laughs> at halftime. Okay. And I'll give you the Bama South Florida update. It is 3 nothing in a weather delay in the second quarter. It's raining down there. Uh, and 3 nothing by way yeah, of ball. the Bulls. Bama has not scored yet. And this is not a Bama podcast, but Bama did make a notable position change at quarterback. Tyler Buckner, who was not good at Notre Dame. Came in and got the start, and he is 4 of 10, passing for 25 yards, which is not good. Yeah, Got to go back to Milrow. Don't know why yeah. they're – don't know why they went to Buckner, but I guess you just swish it up and try it out. But we'll see ultimately when you're listening yeah. to this. That game's probably over, and you know more than we do here in the rain delay in the second quarter what's happening. Um, but that's the – there's your SEC scoreboard update presented by Shane go. Matthew. Two in-game scores that will be long determined yeah. and changed by the time you actually listen to the But podcast. this is, this is but what we're talking about. being here, Matty B, this backs up our point, right? Like you said last week on the pod, Mississippi State's the worst team in the, in the SEC West. Okay, I, I can believe it. But you've got an Ole Miss. You've got an A&M. You've got teams out here who we just still don't know what everyone is. I want to say this, and I want to make it clear – 
LSU played excellent today. LSU played very bad in the second half against Florida State. LSU blew out a Grambling State team and HBCU 72 to 10 or whatever. Like, I'm not making, I'm not putting LSU up on a pedestal for any of it or tearing them down up off it for any of it. I am still wanting to wait and see because even three weeks of a season don't tell me everything. And for me, yes, you're off to a two and one start. I picked you to go 10 and two. And I thought that, or did I picked them to go 11 and one with only a loss to Bama? You picked them to go 11 and one with a loss to Florida State. So they're actually right on track right with on your track. prediction. I adjusted my pick, obviously, because I did not have Florida State. So I went to 10 and two with a loss at Bama. Lord knows who their quarterback's even going to be in November uh, for that game. But it felt like everyone got so low after Florida State. When the reality was, you're not going to play that bad every week, and you're not going to play this good every week. But if you come in and you put some good football games together, you can beat a lot of these middling teams in the SEC West who aren't that great. Your non-con schedule is cupcakes beyond Florida State, and that one's in the rearview mirror. You took an L and you move on. 10-2, and 11-1, and all of that's very much within reach. The only thing I'll say after these first three weeks, and certainly seeing how they handled it today on the road, 11 a.m., all that, I don't think this is a team that wins seven games or eight games. Like, they're, they are clearly good enough to win 10 games in the regular season. I don't think I'm going to go out there and make any proclamations beyond that. I'm just sticking to what we thought before the season. Yeah. And this was a big game to me, which I've, I've said before, I'll repeat it. This was a big game for me because I I saw what I needed to see for this team to be, like you said, 10-2-11-1. After the Florida State game, after the Grambling game, they didn't show me enough that they had taken that step forward. This was a game where they took the step forward on both sides of the ball and said, we can elevate ourselves in these situations on the road, start of SEC play, 11 a.m. kickoff, like those things, they can elevate in those spots last year, they, you know, they elevated at home against Alabama, you know, they elevated on the road at Florida, I'd say, but overall this type of win isn't something that they would have done last year. And so now you look ahead and it's like Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, Auburn um, are your next four games. And they very well maybe could lose one of those. Like, I'm not saying they can't, but seeing them reach this year today, if they can get close to this level, they're not losing those four games. Now, how you know how repeatable is this level? It's very, very hard. But that's what great teams do, and that's what you have to get to if you're going to go eleven and one and win eleven straight games. Like that's the level you have to reach consistently. Um, you do have Arkansas at home. You have Auburn at home, and so Missouri just beat Kansas State. Ole Miss is is a, is a pretty good team as well. So I, I'm not saying they're going to go eleven and one, but now that I've seen them reach this point. I'm much higher on the ceiling of this team and probably therefore the overall, you know, median or yeah, the floor like, or the, yeah. I mean, just like the average of where this team is, like the talent and everything. I'm very, I'm a lot higher on that um, with this team. So I, that's what I'm excited about moving forward is I just, I, I think there's not a lot of teams here that can really hurt them with their offense the way Florida state could. And Right now, I'm completely bought in on LSU's offense. So that's that's the difference. Um, we do want to shout out everyone uh, who's tuned in the podcast. We've grown the YouTube page so much, Spotify pages, all that. Um, 
we've been excited just to bring you guys football coverage every week. And this is a big win. It gives them uh, fans reason to be excited uh, because certainly they looked great in all uh, three phases, really. We got to get Matty B out of here. He's got North Texas game tonight to watch uh, the Mean Green play at six. So they need to get a dub. Billy's got a night game uh, as well. I know he's out enjoying his day at SMU. And I've got a lot of football to watch uh, and some stuff to write. Me and Matty B will be hanging out on the board all day. But I do want to end with this um, kind of fun little exercise here, Matty B. I started a thread on the board after the game, just said, what impressed you the most? I'm going to run down for the fans here that are listening and for you, Matty B. Let's say 10 answers or one one or two words each. Okay. Think of it as I go and pick your best, and then that's your best one. And if you hear one that's better for you, then pick that one. And when I'm done, you tell me, of all these options, what really is the most impressive from today? So okay. starting it off, I, uh, I did. I said exactly what I said earlier. They played all four quarters of solid football defensively and offensively, scoring, stopping them, all that. Now, here's the other options. The D-line held up. To the hype. The team played with attitude. Whit Weeks looks really good at linebacker, true freshman. Daniels hit guys at every level of the field. The linebackers really stepped up, so that's going to be Penn and Weeks. The swagger they played with. Caleb Jackson. Andre Sam filling in at safety. Containment. And we got a couple more JDs in there. Uh, Perk being used as a disruptor. And Jaden taking deep shots, which I guess is a little different than working every level of the field. So as you hear them all, which one do you circle and say that is, that's the most impressive. That's what we needed to see. I'm between two. I'll go with, I, I do think they played with more swagger this yep. game which i think a lot of people have harped on i i jokingly tweeted out after harold perkins on the first drive drive got that personal foul penalty i said there's the personal foul uh flag y'all been looking for um but it's true harold perkins major burns like it very much felt like a team that had more of an edge and i think brian kelly even said that i think uh halftime i think it was where he said you know we came out and we played with that edge we were looking for we didn't have against florida state that's the thing to me that's going to carry this team because through one half of Florida State, they were winning. They were beating Florida State. Second half, you could argue mentally they fell off. Physically, schematically, I think this team is as good as, honestly, as good as any team in the country. Now, it's, again, having that swagger, having that mentality that you can reach that point for 11 straight games and you know, win 10 or 11 of those and then put yourself in the playoff picture. That's going to be the key moving forward. So it was very, very promising to see that type of edge. And it starts with Harold Perkins. It starts with Jaden Daniels. It starts with the offensive line. I just thought they played with a, a really, really impressive motor today for four quarters. Next up, back home against Arkansas. And then on the road, Missouri, who got a big win today over K-State uh, in Mizzou. So Appreciate all you guys for listening. Matty B, that's all I got. Great win, 41-14. Their best game this season for certain. Their best game, one of them, of the Kelly era. Um, and our thoughts and prayers are with Greg Brooks, and, and we'll give you guys more info there as uh, as we get it. Yep, there you go. All right, thank you all for joining us. Um, like Shay said, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are almost at 4K subs. So, um, yeah, subscribe over there. We appreciate all the support, and we will be back on Monday for Monday Mailbag.